Welcome to the Toss Mills Odoi Macarius podcast. Toss Mills Odoi is an apostle, teacher, and a sought-after speaker in international Christian leadership conferences. He is a son of Bishop Daguid Mills, who is the founder of the United Denominations and a best-selling author. With over 20 years' experience in church planting around the world and in the training and sending of missionaries, Apostle Toss currently serves at the Makaras Church Teshi in Accra, Ghana, a vibrant church seeking to win the lost at all cost. He is also a director in the Dag Heward Mills Ministries. Now, listen to Toss Mills Odoi.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with our relationship, communion, fellowship, contribution, and participation of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Let Jesus lock us in together forever Like you has brought me here And now I am by your side forever Let's go into them Ooh, yeah. Let Jesus lock us in together Together Jesus lock us in together, together forever. Like in you as brought me here. Well, well, yeah. and now I am by your side forever. Ooh, yeah. Together. Let Jesus lock us in together forever. Let Jesus lock us in together forever Like in you has brought, like in you has brought me By your side Why don't you give Jesus a mighty, mighty, mighty clap? As he's locking you together forever. Amen. Some of you are wishing this song was made before you got married. By your 10th wedding anniversary, your renewal of vows. We will sing it for you as a special... um, Live performance. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you've gathered us together in your presence. We pray that you will minister to us out of your presence so that we will be blessed. We pray for all of us here. Let your presence be with us. And those watching on the internet as well, Holy Spirit, let your presence and your angels be with us all wherever we are. Be glorified in our lives. Deliver us from all evil. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Put your hands together. As you take your seats. Uh, after coming to this church for all these years, you should know you should take your seats after the prayer. Amen. Well, I've been sharing on those who, offend, who, who are offended. I think all of us have been blessed, isn't it? 
How many of you have seen that you've made some changes to your life? Especially to your reactions and your responses. And the way you react and the way you respond. Since um, you began to hear this message. If you can see that you are becoming better and wiser, give me a wave of your hand. And that now it's easier to identify offending experiences and you, you, like you, you become a bit more careful. Yes. You know, I think that this message is a message of great deliverance. You know, too many people end relationships, you know, like one, well, not one person, several people have told me that if we had heard this message earlier, we would have been married by now. Mm. You broke up with somebody you didn't need to break up with. I mean, <laughs> I mean, a good person who this. I met somebody divorcing her husband because he had gone to touch, not have sex with a girl, had gone to touch a girl that he shouldn't touch. So she's, she had divorced her husband. I said, hey, people have two children with other women, they are still in their marriage, happily in their marriage. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. You know, Jesus Christ said, Matthew 18, 7, he said, woe unto the world, or death is coming to the world because of offenses. So you see, you, you, see, you should really understand the, the, the doctrine, the teaching of offenses. Because what Jesus was saying was, if you don't handle offenses well, it will lead to your death. And offenses do lead to death. It leads to the death of relationships, it leads to the death of finances. There are stages of offense. The first stage of offense is withdrawal. When you are offended with somebody, you withdraw from the person. You are close. You have planned to be together forever. Huh. You have prayed that Jesus should lock you in the room. Uh, please. Those of you, <laughs> those of you when, those of you when the lion came, let us enter into the room together. Say, yeah! Then when they brought Jesus into the room, they said, hmm. <laughs> you are praying that Jesus will lock you in together. And Jesus locked you in together. Then as you were in the room locked, you became offended with something. You said, ah, you have now done prison break. You broke in the padlock, ran out of the room. No. Was it your marriage will die because you couldn't handle offenses well? And if I say die, I didn't mean I don't mean sudden death. Though. Your marriage will start to die if you don't handle offenses well. When offenses come, you should, you should understand it so that offenses will become like water off a duck's back. And I and I think that for many people now, that's what is happening. From the testimonies I'm hearing, like things you that reacted to. Now you take your time a bit. And then you see that it is not the way you thought it was. But when you react, you will still see that it is not the way you thought it was, but it would have been too late. So let us pray that God will deliver us from sinning in the midst of the offense. Because you should always remember that you can be offended, but sin not. Amen. Because the first stage of offense is withdrawal. The body or the Bible says that that the whole body fitly joins together 
with each joint supplying what it should builds up the whole body together you see so when you are in a relationship with anyone the person brings some kind of supply to your life it may even be advice you know the most precious thing you can get is advice one day I needed some advice which involved money and when I was going to see Bishop I said look Bishop can really give me good advice about this thing but it involved money or expenditure so before I went to see him I prayed do you know the prayer I prayed I said father when I go and ask Bishop for this advice please may he not give me money to solve it I pray that he shouldn't give me money because if he gives him money he has not solved the problem for me because when I encounter that problem again am I going to ask him again for money or is he going to give him money again so I pray that Lord let him show me how to solve it without money because if it gives him money then the next time I encounter it what will I do I won't know how to solve it and God answered my prayer he didn't give me money he, he just told me do this do this it is like this amen but when you withdraw from the um, relationship then that supply of advice or when you alter the relationship because you, you may not withdraw but you've altered or you've changed or you've spoiled or you've um, reduced the relationship from how it should be where you can get advice so maybe you just chat but without advice but as said you chat and so get advice or you may chat and get a rebuke but now because you were offended when you were rebuked so now you will now have a reduced supply because now these days I hear that when the people who drive Range Rovers go and buy fuel they whisper to the uh, fuel guy <laughs> give me <laughs> give me 20, 25 cities. I am just going here Where they are going so far? Is it not that a reduced supply of the fuel based on your financial strength? Is it so you see that you can still be in a relationship, but because you sinned in your offense, so the relationship has reduced in the supply that it could come. And in everything in life, when there's a reduced supply, it affects the general overall outcome like to get pregnant you may have sperms but if the supply of the sperms is low even though there are sperms there will be no pregnancy so you can have the relationship but if the relationship has been reduced in what it can supply through offense there will not be no benefit to the relationship so that's why they be very careful about um, reacting wrongly when you're offended then the second stage of offense is resentment when you withdraw you begin to resent the person because you see if you don't withdraw if you don't withdraw when you are offended you will continue the relationship and after some time you realize that oh the person still loves me and nothing has changed and is not even aware that he has offended me and then you see there's really no problem because offense is all an emotional reaction Offense is your emotions reacting. You know, like the first, is, uh, the first point about why you shouldn't uh, be offended is that when you are offended, it reduces your beauty. By the rebuke, 
my beauty is turned into ashes. It is so your bad response to the offense is because you feel the person has made you look bad. But when you don't withdraw, in a few hours or days or weeks or months, the person will now give you makeup, nice clothes, and then you say, oh, I'm beautiful again. There's no problem. But when you withdraw, then you won't have the opportunity to receive supply. That will prevent you from getting into resentment. And when you resent someone, then that's where the misbehavior starts. You need to be away from someone in order to misbehave. Like the prodigal son. As long as he was home, he couldn't misbehave. He needed to go away to misbehave. He needed to withdraw in order to misbehave. So you begin to resent someone who loves you, who has no bad intentions for you. But once you are away, then the thought starts. Then from resentment, you go to malice. Malice is a desire for something bad to happen to someone so that you can be happy. Um, if you're a human being, have you seen that when somebody you don't like, something bad happens to the person, there's some sweet feeling? Or you people don't have that sweet feeling when it happens. Like when you see somebody who has made the economy very bad, you are hoping that like something bad, like you are waiting for bad news. There's some sweet feeling when somebody you don't like, something bad happens to the person. That's malice. Because when you are away from the person and you resent the person or you dislike the person, then the next thing that you want to hear some bad news about the person that he has broken up his relationship. <laughs> you see, that when somebody has bounced you before, huh, and the person enters into a relationship, you are always hoping to hear that he has broken up the relationship. Or you are not like that. Or somebody who has swindled you, you are always wishing to hear that somebody has swindled the person too. And when you hear it, like, there's some sweet feeling that yes, Ochia, it serves him right. Yes, so that's malice. From malice, then you now go to mistrust. You don't try the person again. Oh, he is like this. Oh, she's like this. I won't give myself to it. The Bible says, forgive and forget, but, it's, but it doesn't say you should not remember. So I'll forget, so I'll forgive, I will forget, but I will remember. So you don't try the person again. Like when somebody comes to you and says, I care for you. I will rescue you from those who have made their dollar one is to four. I'll rescue you and deliver you from them. Put your trust in me. You know me from old time. I led you in demonstration. I'm your savior, the new Jesus who has come. If you uh, serve me, if you vote for me, I won't take you to impossible machine force. I'll do everything for you. Then you trust the person. Hey! Then the opposite happens. You see that you get offended. And now to put your trust in that person again, you say, why? Is it that I'm not a human being or like you take me to be? I heard of a certain political party in a certain country called Umofia. Yes. And somebody was saying that anybody who is planning that the elections were some years away, and anybody who is planning to vote for them in the next election, they are called till death do us part. <laughs> 
You see, but that's because based on what has happened, people don't trust them any longer. And when you are offended with somebody, you stop trusting the person. Many people, do you know the easiest person to be offended with? God. Many people are offended with God. He said, pray my name, I'll answer. I prayed, he didn't answer. He said, call upon me, I'll show you great and I called upon him, he didn't answer. He said, if you pay your tithe, you'll prosper. Ah! Tithe. I've even paid twice. I don't know if I'm better off. I won't pay my... You see, God, you see, the easiest person to mistrust is God. But that's because of your limited view. And see, you should thank God more for the things you don't know he does for you than the thing that you know he does for you. Look at Job. I'll give you an example of Job. Job didn't know that he was rich because God had built a hedge of protection around him. Didn't know. He just thought that the things he does works. Until the day that God gave Satan permission to go and attack Job and then Job told God, is it not because you have built a hedge around him? It means Job had tried to go and attack Job and it didn't work. You see, so as you are here, you can see, you can walk. Even if you don't have money, at least you don't beg. It's because God has prevented Satan from striking you blind. Yes, you may not have the car you have, but, the, but your children you have is because God has not allowed Satan to kill them. Because when you look at Job and what happened to him, when Satan started attacking him, it tells you what Satan wants to do to you. Oh, yes. You have a business that has not bent down. Your house has not bent down. It's because God has not allowed Satan to burn your house down. One day I was in church when they called me that there's smoke in my house. Hey! When I got home, they said something had exploded. Some electrical wiring something. But the house didn't burn down. I've been in the place where some Muslims came to burn down my house. And I saw the house burn. Then I saw a line. There was no one at home in Senegal. You see black on the wall everywhere. Then you see a line where the smoke stopped. The black suit stopped. And the black suit stopped just before the electrical distribution box. Oh, yes. And then I saw that an angel had come there to put out the fire without water. There was no water in the house when I came. Your house is not burned down. Thank God. You are not mad. Thank God. You can walk. The fact that you are sitting in church this morning. Thank God. Your clothes wear. Thank God. You have a husband. Thank God. You have a wife. Thank God. You don't have a husband too. Thank God. Do you know those who are married what they, what they go through? <laughs> Stop wishing for things you don't have. Oh. Be careful. Somebody once said the care of humanity is answered prayer. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for your prayers he didn't answer. Because if God had answered that Jesus' prayer, take this cup away from me, Jesus would never have been king of kings and lord of lords. It is God not answering that prayer that made him king of kings and lord of lords. Thank God for your prayer that you think are wise prayers. That God didn't answer. That would have led you into calamity. Because his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. That's why when you sit down to pray, just speak in tongues. Because the Bible says that his spirit gives us utterance according to the will of God. Thank God for your prayers he didn't answer. Look, I thank God that my father was not the kind of father I wanted him to be. 
like some of my best friends' fathers, whose fingernails they cut. My father, you are going to cut whose nail? Whose nail? I mean, if you even make a, I don't know what will happen to you if you accidentally. But you see, those my best friends' fathers, I wish were my father. When they died, eh? The other products in the system. You see, their, their fathers were so nice that, like the Bible says, they shed their love abroad. <laughs> yes. One day, a certain woman was quarreling with another woman, and another woman said, go and tell her that instead of quarreling with me, she should think about how she will fight for property for her children when her, when her husband dies. <laughs> Because she thought she was the only wife and her children were her husband's only children. As a guy, he was very loving. Yes. So pray and thank God. When you pray, just pray in tongues and commit your life to God. Then after mistrust, you get into revenge. Age. Where you want to fight back. Then you get into church where you become disloyal. Then finally you become demonized. When like Judah, the Bible says that and when Satan had entered into Judas, he went out. Whenever you end a relationship, it's because of the devil. I'm telling you the truth. The Bible says that these are they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. When you have the spirit of God, you stay. You don't fight, you don't quarrel. The Bible says that the wisdom that is from above is first peaceable, easy to be entreated. How come we cannot take advice easily? How come we cannot be rebuked? Even Jesus, when Pilate was um, questioning him and he didn't want to answer, and Pilate stood up and said, I adjure thee by God. Jesus answered immediately. How come that you, you can't change your mind? Why is it that you are so strong? And I'm not talking about choleric strength. Some of them were stubborn resistant and yielding and bending and changeable are phlegmatics. My wife is a phlegmatic. When we got married, one day I was playing with her. When you are married, you should play. He didn't hear this part. I said, when you are married, you should be able to play. Like your wife should be your playmate. Not only sex mate or mother of your children, you don't know something you play with. So one day I was playing with my wife and I was pinching her. And I said, I said, say Ajay, then I'll stop. And the I said, I'll kill this girl, I stop. It's I myself who stop. Hey, it's like, you are hurting me. Just say Ajay, so I stop. It's like this Ajay you want to hear, eh? I would deny you that like, I'll die first. And I said, look, this, <laughs> I've involved myself in the foolish fight. Then I just stopped. Hey! A I said, Ajay, then it ends. Phlegmatic, if this is what you do, do it. Hey! At the point, I said, why? Just say Ajay, so I stopped that one too. Phlegmatic, you should fear them well, the, You'll be quietly doing anything you want to do, do it. But the danger is that 
strength to accommodate nonsense. Eh? When that strength also changes and says it is over. Eh? Their ability to stay with nonsense and not change will be the same ability to leave and not come back. Cholerate, you shout, ah, then you change his mind. You shout, ah, then you change his mind. <laughs> they won't shout and they won't change their minds too. I'm telling you, I know them. I am married to one. Yes, I don't want another. <laughs> Today we are looking at how to overcome offenses. And then next week, we'll look at how to prevent offenses. Then we'll enter the Christmas season. <laughs> we are looking at the ninth Christmas. Nicer than last year. Yes. Nicer than last year. Last year we were happy, but this year we will even be happier. One day, a prophet had a vision. In the vision, he saw Satan was doing a sale. He was selling things. (laughs) To raise money for his uh, campaigns and his projects. So Satan was doing discount sale because Jerry had come to harass him seriously. So he was leaving Umofia. So he was doing discount sale what was satan selling satan was selling all his things that really don't work well lying satan was selling lying satan was selling adultery Eh, no no not adultery satan was selling uh, uh, alcoholism satan was selling drug abuse satan was selling fighting satan was selling so many things But then the guy saw that there were two things that Satan had kept in his house that he had been brought out to sell. So, he went to look and saw that these two things seemed very big. So, he asked Satan, what are those two things and why are you not selling them? Satan said, oh, these are my two most effective weapons. And I'm not selling those ones at all. I get 100% results every time I use them. And the guy asked Satan, what are these two things? And Satan said, oh, it's offense and fornication. Satan said, any language the person is in, any culture, any race, anywhere, offense and fornication, 100% results. So those ones, I don't sell them. I'm not selling them. Be careful of offense because it seems to work every time if you don't understand what it is you are dealing with. It will just pick you up and pick you off. And when you talk to a rebel, oh, somebody who has rebelled and is disloyal, you will always see a foundation of offense. You see, but if you cannot handle offense in the church, you will by all means not be, handled, be able to handle it in your office in your organization, in your marriage, because offense is everywhere. Hmm? Those who like girls, eh? whether it's a short girl, oh, tall girl, oh, slim, oh, white, oh, black, oh, they like girls. The girls who like boys too, they say. Any kind of boy goes. Those who like money, whether it's euro, pound, not safer, safer like CD, not those ones. <laughs> yes, 
Those who like money, eh, they will do anything to get money. They don't care what it is they have to do. In the same way, those who are easily offended, they are easily offended in everything, and anything can offend them. And when they get into offense, they stay in it. In the Psalm 23, it says, yet though I walk through the body of the when something is not good, go through it. Don't stay in it. You may not prevent yourself from going into the valley, but quickly go out of it. So you don't get destroyed and stuck in the valley. Because as for life, you just have to live a bit. And then you'll be angry about something or there'll be something that you... Because look, I didn't grow up in your house. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know how your father treated you. So when you meet me, I may treat you different from what you do. It doesn't mean bad. It means different. Recently, I was talking to somebody who went to another church, visited another church. And the preacher, the preacher was so nice. After being in Lighthouse for so long, the preacher was very soothing. And no, I felt better. They said, no, don't say better. Say different. It's not better. It's different. The fact that it's different doesn't mean it's better. Yes. I told the father it's different doesn't mean it's better. You grew up here. Don't, don't say I felt oh, as though the one here is nothing. I said, just say different. You know how I know. I've learned that in building or in interior decor, I say anything at all you want to do. When you do something different, everybody says it's nice. Not that it's more expensive. Oh. Not that it's nice, but if it's different from what everybody is used to. But we're all in Ghana. We all eat rice. Then suddenly somebody came with an idea that put the rice in a bowl, then you turn it upside down on the plate. Suddenly it's like that rice in a shape is like some very expensive rice that is wow. But it's rice. Ah, how different can the rice be? But it's like when they put it in a bowl, then they press it, then they turn it outside. Then, one day I look at it, I just take my fork and mix, 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 mix. Let's just go along with this thing. What is this? But you see, some people like they don't want to destroy their ship. Ah. <laughs> they don't want to destroy their ship. So it's like they cut it so that it's like a triangle now. And then be serious. <laughs> yes. Different always looks nicer. But different is not necessarily nicer. Different is just different. It's true. I'll show you how to make your house nice. When you go to your house, just choose one wall. Make it a different color. That's all. Wow! Finish. I learned it. He, that's what I went to different hotels. I saw that most hotels with one wall is a different color. Suddenly, it's like, it's a very nice hotel. Hey! It's the same paint, so their, their price is the same. But different always looks nicer. That's why if you're a woman, try to be doing different hairstyles, eh? So that you always sort of look nice. But not every day ponytail, every day ponytail. Your forehead too is the way it is. I have no apologies. It's God who made your forehead the way it is. Enjoy it. Yes. Do a ponytail. Then your husband will kiss your forehead and whoa. After that, then you cover it. 
at home don't always wear the same clothes. Change uh, the, uh, what do they call that language? Yes. Sometimes wear white negligent and then you put, don't always put the light off. Do something different. Go to uh, light shop on Spintech Road. There are some lights. When you put it on, it's blue. You put it on again, it's yellow. You put it on again, it's a mixture of the go and buy some. It's just 30 galaxies or 40 galaxies. Sometimes your room is blue. Other times your room is warm. Other times your room is then once in a while you put it dark. But not every day black. Why are you a demon or something that you there you dwell in darkness? Your room. Sometimes on a Saturday, rearrange the room. Remove the bed from here. Put it here. Remove the whatever. I don't know whatever it is. In, it is in your room. I don't want to say, uh, ah, so you have all these things in your room. Eh? Think about your own room. Remove one from here. Put it here. Move the bed from here. Put it here. Something different. It will change your whole environment and help you to do better. You know? Maybe the church you are coming from the pastor that didn't talk to the members. Here we talk to the members properly. Oh, yes. I was just asking somebody who came from honeymoon. I said, come and tell me what happened in the honeymoon. We don't just leave you to yourself. For the devil to be now talking. When Adam left Eve to herself, that's why we are here wearing clothes. So, <laughs> we don't leave people to themselves again. We will influence you. Bible says in Jeremiah 3.15 I will give you pastors after my own life who will feed you with knowledge it is my job to sit down with you and talk to you that's the job that God has given to me it's true God just send me pictures from the honeymoon to see the kind of dressing you are wearing one day I saw somebody dressing on a honeymoon I said are you going to preach or what are you on your way to go and preach because the dress you are wearing I mean a lady pastor can wear it to go and preach nicely you cannot wear that on a honeymoon. When you send me appropriate honeymoon pictures, I must delete it. If it's a good picture, I must be able, I, I must delete it within five seconds. But if you have a honeymoon and your pictures are still on my phone after months, all the pictures are bad. They didn't do the honeymoon well. Hmm? So maybe I'm different from your pastor. It doesn't mean your other pastor is better. I saw some guy, he came to church. I said, oh, so how are you? How is your weather? Then he came the next time. How are you? How is your children? How are you? One day he got angry. Why is he talking to me all the time? I said, leave the church. Here we will talk to you all the time. Yes. To know you and know whether you are an orangu or not. Yes. Whether you are correct or not. Then I can't you marry someone from here. I don't want to. You must. The Bible says the shepherd is the door to the sheep. I am the shepherd. I am the door. If you don't go through me, you can't go to the sheep. You have some skeletons in your cupboard. When I was preaching, you saw that. No. This guy, he knows a lot of things. Eh? If I get close to him, he may soon start suspecting that there's some skeleton in my cupboard and something. So, especially those who look very dignified. Eh? Jesus Christ said they have a cloak for their sins. Their cloak is their dignified look. When you go inside, he, he said, you, you can't do this. 
I remember when we got married. After some weeks, I don't know what my wife went to do. But after some weeks, she asked me a question one day after something. She said, so is this what people do? And then they come to church and look normal. <laughs> I just cry your own cry, eh? If you have gone to do something that is not normal, please, see to it yourself. <laughs> yes. But I'm sharing within a few minutes. We have a beautiful festival of nine lessons and carols. Yes. On Tuesday, the 22nd of December here. So it's a family event. So invite your whole family, everybody you love. If you don't love somebody, then don't invite the person. But if you love somebody, invite the person. John 16, 1. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. In other versions of the Bible, it says, these things have I spoken to you so that you don't fall away. You see, offense can make you fall away. But try not to fall. Let there be nothing that makes you fall away. You see, in life, let's take a car. The stronger the car, when it falls into a pothole, it doesn't affect the car. But one day I was driving somebody's, uh, what was that car? Picanto. <laughs> In front of GBC, there was a little rock on the road. I didn't see it. Pow, 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 the tire burst. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, the tire exploded. Because the car is not a strong car. So, you see, but that same rock, you'll be driving a Nissan patrol. You even feel it. You um, just oh, and then you are gone. You feel it. They will tell you that the shock absorbers are air absorbers. I mean, they'll give you all kinds of things that when it drives on a rock, the suspension accommodates the hey. You see, the stronger you are, when you go through offense, it doesn't even affect you. You won't even notice it. But the weaker you are the more reactive you are. So mature in your spirituality. You see, and there'll be somebody that when offense comes, it's like you're wearing a bulletproof and pop, the bullet doesn't enter. Because as for the bullet, it will come. If it doesn't come, it means you're either new or you're pretending. Yes. As those who are married, we said, I think somebody who has been married for a few weeks, have you ever had to have my friend before? She said, yes. Like, the way she emphasized the yes, I, I, I even felt it was two years. <laughs> then those who have been married for five and six and seven years, what should they say? They've been married for a few years. Has she had my friend offended you before? Yes. Hey, just say, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, we beg you. Number one, you should see how to overcome offenses. One, expect to be offended. Expect it so that when it comes, you won't be too affected by it. If you are going to join this church, and if you are going to be part of this church for a long time, I want to give you some advice. Please, for your own spiritual health, plan for the day I will offend you. For your spiritual what? Health. Plan for it. I know 
how you are so happy to see me and as a wow never man speak like this before blessed be the pubs that gave thee sack and the womb that bear thee you are even thinking in King James language <laughs> blessed be the pubs that gave thee sack and the womb that bear thee your mother is favored among women because you are new in this church can't you see that those who have been in the church for your daughter you are a bit more relaxed and a bit more quiet. Oh, it's a nice message, it's a powerful message, but you know, we are waiting for the day something will happen. And, you know, we have to adjust ourselves and protect our hearts for you know <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like, like this smile you are seeing. It's really not like that, eh? This smile, I've seen it ten before, eh? Every day is not smiles, eh? I mean, yeah, we thank God for the message, but you know, I day comes when this smile is not like the way it is. Alright, is it true or not true? Jesus Christ said, For it must needs be that offenses come. So expect it. So that the day it comes, you are prepared for it. The Bible says that the wise man, he sees the evil ahead. He sees evil coming. And I'm saying that if you are going to survive in marriage, see offense coming. You see, I realized after a while. Um, those days, do you have a picture of my wife? The screen people. I want to show you a picture of my wife so you can understand what I'm trying to say. You see, when you see my wife, eh, you won't expect that any, any, not evil, any, uh, how should I say it? Anything that saddens can come from her. Like when you see her picture, it's like if the Holy Spirit is not there, she can replace him well. So I think for many years, I couldn't grasp the concept of this girl can make me or this girl can do something I don't like. That it was a difficult thing for me. And I wish you could see her. If you saw her, you know I'm not exaggerating. Everybody who meets my wife says I fell in love with her at first sight. Everybody I know when they meet my wife, her smile. One person, when I came to church, I saw her preaching, and I said I'll go into ministry. <laughs> oh yes, that is my wife. So I think it took me many years. So I kept on getting offended. God, I could not grasp the truth that she's a human being. <laughs> so it was difficult until one day I said, No, she's like the rest of us. She's mortal. So I began to expect offense. And when I began to expect offense in marriage, it took the ability to react badly to offense away. Because when they come, I just say, here we go again. And then I just continue moving on. As though nothing has happened. But before I began to expect offense, I was always reactive. It's like, but when I began to say that, look, this person will offend me, I suddenly became very, my marriage suddenly became very peaceful. But when it comes, I say, that's how it is. You see, especially if you've been married for a long time, you see that when you expect good, then evil comes. Like you expect that, oh, after doing such a nice thing for her, by all means, something good. When you mature, <laughs> when you mature, 
you will see that that good thing you did or are doing or are planning is your next problem in marriage. I saw a husband. Please, it wasn't me. I saw a husband. He was taking his wife on a vacation. Can you believe that? The vacation brought the quarrel. International vacation, no. The quarrel came because of the vacation. You can't think she actually even came to tell me that apostle I've misbehaved what have you done when I heard it I was just looking at her then I told her I can promise you that if it wasn't for me that your husband would knows that I will not agree he would have cancelled the vacation I told her that if it was not for me that when your husband tells me I've cancelled the vacation I'll say no would have canceled the vacation. And when I had the husband, the husband told me that I said I'll cancel the vacation. And when I thought about you, I knew you won't agree, so I didn't say anything. Yeah. When you get married for a while, you expect that good things out of the eater comes the sweet. <laughs> like the good you are doing is what will bring you evil. And when you expect it, Suddenly, you are expecting evil. So when it comes, you have your bulletproof vest and your helmet, goggles, everything. It will count. But when it comes, you are ready. So you just sail through it as though there's no problem. So that's the first thing I'm saying. As you are starting your new job, so happy. Apostle, I want to thank God for the new job. <laughs> it's just a matter of... And that's why when you... I don't know if it's true. By, by a year church of Pentecost, you can never become a full-time pastor if you've not worked in the world for a, for a long time. Yeah. You have to have worked as a secular whatever for many years before you can become a full-time pastor. They are tired of nonsense. People who have never worked before and who come in to work in the church demanding things and comparing the church to the world where they are even asking for from the church because they think it's the world. It doesn't exist in the world. But they don't know that. They don't know that in every job, they promise you things they don't uh, fulfill. I even hear some government agencies in a certain country called Umofia, where they don't pay SNATO. Their government don't pay SNATO for their workers in Umofia. Yet, you see people who come and work for their church and think that automatically SNATO is paid. They don't even know what's going on in real life. A few days ago, I was with a brother who is on leave. He has applied for leave. They have given him leave. Then he's there when his boss calls him. Tomorrow, come to work. Like, during, like during their leave, their boss says, cancel, not even cancel your leave. Like, their leave is a theoretical word. But when you've never worked in the world, and this happens in the church, then you now say, oh, the church, they are uncaring. The church, they don't care. And then they break their agreement. It's because you are an ignorant and you don't even know what happens in the world. You don't. I was going to, I don't want anybody to get, to get into trouble. Everybody who works anywhere, are there not things they promised you when you went for the job interview and they gave you your offer letter? They listed the things and there'll be um, year, uh, year on year increment of 12.5% on your gross salary and then you'll be uh, giving 
accommodation allowance, which is commensurate to your root of and then your bonus uh, uh, and your provider fund, which all staff contribute, will be calculated at an annual rate. If it, you don't even understand the word we are writing on the offer letter, when you started, you yourself saw that ah, they said it, they said it, they said it. But as you look at it, they say, Look, let me just continue working like that. But when you don't know, you come into the church. Then you expect that the wealth will be given to you on a silver platter. The church is not the devil who, who offers the wealth to people. Number two. So the first one is expect to be offended. Number two. Beautiful. Second point. Though, expect to be offended by a close person. Not just anyone. A close person. And the closer the person, the more the person is likely to offend you. That's why spouses are the most offended with each other. And that are those who are close to me in the church. They offend me more and I offend them more. Why are you laughing? Psalm 41 verse 9. Yea! My own familiar friend in whom I trusted who did eat of my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Not anyone, the one I was eating from the bowl with. Is the one who did eat of my bread means I was a blessing to him. I traveled with him around the world. I ate with him at the same table. <laughs> I paid for his honeymoon. Bought him cars. He ate of my bread. Like he benefited from my provision. So, you see, sometimes eh, it looks like those who a lot of things are down for, they rather become orangus and disloyal people. Like Bishop said, it looks like you can never become Judas if you are not close. Yeah, you can never become. But Judas needs to be close. In order to betray, in order to even have enough information to betray Christ, you need to be close. Things were done for you. You ate of the bread. When you were happy, driving cars, your cars was being changed. You were driving Mercedes Benz. Now, even the founder doesn't drive. Oh, wow, this is the best organization. And Bishop Dagon has one of the most brilliant minds on earth. I've never met a wiser person than Bishop Daguerre's tell offense kid. Then suddenly you forgot about your honeymoon that was paid for, forgot about money that was given to you, car, travel around the world. When you are close, be careful. Friday, I was offended deeply. If I asked, I was in the offense. Then I heard the voice of God. It's time for you to now practice. <laughs> no, I was like, have you seen that offense where you want to hurt? You want to really say something to hurt? Like the person would never forget that. Even when you say sorry, your words will be ringing. Uh-huh. Then I heard the voice of God. It's now time for you to practice and remember the things you have been saying for the past years. So, I said it's true. So, I began to think about the preaching I've been preaching. Then, number one, I saw that 
the reason why I am offended is because the person who has offended me was trying to help me. It was help and love and support. That didn't go well. But the motive was love and help and support. So I said, have you seen that thing where you, you really want to be angry, but you know you have to not be angry again? And you are sad that you don't have to be angry again. Are you I mean, The women are quiet. Okay, let me go to this side and ask them their question. Have you ever been angry with somebody? And you want to be angry with somebody. But suddenly you feel there's no reason to be angry with the person. But you really want to continue to be angry. That's where I got to. So that's the point. I picked my phone and said, how are you? <laughs> yeah. You will be offended. So look at the close people around you. That is where the offense will come from. Who can betray Jesus apart from his close person, Peter? Who can? Peter was the one Jesus said, I give you the keys of heaven. You are the rock on which I'll build my church. Peter was Jesus' assistant. If Jesus ever had an assistant on earth, it was Peter. Yet, it's Peter who will betray him. So, before I continue, everybody, I'm giving you 10 seconds. Think of the close people in your life. <laughs> I was reading a book by a prophet. He said, in everybody's life, the three people most likely to offend you, your spouse, your boss, and your pastor. <laughs> so, please, find out who is your spouse. <laughs> Two, find out who is your boss. Or if you are the boss, who is your assistant? I'm just preaching my preaching. I didn't preach again. Okay. And then number three, find out who your pastor is. This is where the offense will come from. Because a pastor is like a coach. He's not your cheerleader. It's your cheerleader who always say good things about you. Your coach wants you to become a better person. <laughs> number three, are you happy to get the church to hear how to overcome offense? Yeah, because we have spoken a lot, but now the rubber rub must be there. How, how do you overcome it? No one expect it. Expect that maybe you'll be used as an example. But how would you be used as an example except you are close enough for the pastor to know that this is what you did? Uh-huh. Because the person who offended you on Friday, do you think the person is not here? Uh-huh. But how can you be close to me and not be in church on Sunday? So the person is here. And the person knows I'm using the person, whether it's him or her. The person knows I'm using the person as the example of the person I'm using. Mm. And it's like I'm continuing the quarrel in a loving way from the preaching. Number two, expect to be offended by a close person. Number three, and this is probably the most important first step to overcoming confess and accept and admit that you are offended. That probably the first step to healing. To say that, brother, Charlie, I'm offended by this thing. If you confess your sins, 
he is faithful and just after you've accepted he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness then it goes on to say if you say you have no sin then you make God a liar and his truth is not in you and the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth that you admit will make you free it doesn't set you free because there are many people in jail who, who have been set free but are still in jail for one reason or the other. The lawyers are still fighting technicalities. They say that the uh, cocaine was condo. Uh-huh. So they are still in jail. That the gunshots was uh, fireworks you had. Uh-huh. So the God has set you free but due to technicalities you are still in jail. But the Bible says truth makes you free. When you admit that look I just said on Friday, I said, this person has offended me. I'm offended. And I told them, they have offended me. Hey, and I decided that, because I knew I would cool down after a point. So I decided that, let me say everything I have to say before I cool down. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was typing fast. Aha. Aha. I can see that you have also been doing it. <laughs> so I was typing fast. Hey, and saying everything. So that by the time I cool down, I've said it already. Yes. But I knew I was offended. I mean, that's what helped me to overcome. But once you know that you are sick, then your next step is to start to heal. Uh-huh. But some of you deny that you are. How many people have that say, I haven't forgiven him? Very, very few. Very few people will say, he has offended me. You watch. Have I ever offended you before? Uh, by the past, you see, because of the message I'm preaching, you are now saying yes. But many people are like, hello. Oh, Apostle, you haven't offended me before. Wait, I'm coming. <laughs> have I ever offended you before? Now, you people actually have preached this. I have asked you first before saying my point. But everybody likes to say that I am not offended. Because to say I'm offended is like to say I have sinned or I am in sin. And nobody likes to admit that they are living in sin or they have sinned before. And offense is also a sin. It is, so it's nicer and like, oh, very spiritually mature. Was, oh, I've never been offended. It's nicer to say I've never been offended before. It's like, oh, everything is good. Then, oh, no, everything is bad. Me offended is like a nice, oh, no, I've never been offended before. But you should both say, I've been offended before, but I've overcome it. In our church, when you are being consecrated as a bishop, the first qualification, you will believe it, the first qualification to, be a, to become a bishop is somebody who has been offended and has overcome the offense. If you've not been offended before and overcome, you are a novice. You should be able to learn that a good person can do something bad and still be good. You should be able to also learn and accept that a good person can be accused wrongly. It doesn't mean he should change. And they will say, like how Jesus was accused and offended and so forgave those who offended him. To be able to overcome offense is a great spiritual achievement. But the first step is to accept that you are offended. Number four, very important second step, is to recognize that you are in danger when you get offended. Like I said of the stages of offense. Number one is what you lose.
by your withdrawal from the person who God has set up for you as your sub- source of supply, source of blessing, source of fellowship. I like using Rene as an example. Maybe one day I should read the text he sent to me. Eh? But I think they don't understand. Like when I say you offended me, I think maybe they thought I sent you a text and you didn't reply. Or maybe at least the people will say, sorry, sorry for my late response. It wasn't like that. <laughs> Maybe I should read your text, eh? Oh, I should read it. Oh, my phone is, you see, you see, no, my phone is upstairs. Hey! But they asked out, I said, no. It's okay. Leave it. When I fell sick, she was the only person every single day. Every single day. Good morning, Apostle Dearest. How are you today? Is there anything you need? Watermelon juice, pineapple juice. I can send my dispatch to bring it to your house. Is there anything I can get you? Oh, every single day. She nursed me back to health. But she, I don't think that anybody in this church has offended me like that before. Maybe. But hence, it was open rebellion. But this one, it was secret rebellion. <laughs> yes. But my ability to forgive her won me a carer. When you get offended, eh, you are in danger. Not the person who offended you. you. You ask us, like, for example, you are offended with your wife. That's a good example. You are offended with your wife. You are angry with her. This, that she did, this, she did. It's true. Now you've not had sex with her for three weeks because you are angry with her genuinely about something wrong she genuinely did. And because you are a human being and because you've been married for some years, you are used to sex and what it, sorry, you are used to copulation and what it brings. So now three weeks you have not had sex. Now look at the feeling, the illicit feelings you are developing. You are in danger of adultery and the problems it brings. Not your wife who offended you. Not your wife who offended you. Second Corinthians 2, 10, 11. To whom ye forgave anything, I also forgave it. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes I forgave it in the per- I, for your sakes I forgave for your sakes forgave I it the person of Christ. Look at the reason why Paul forgave. And let it be your reason for forgiving as well. He says, lest Satan should gain an advantage. Lest Satan should gain an advantage. That's the reason why we forgive. So that Satan doesn't take advantage of the offense because we are not ignorant of how he works. He looks for offended people. He looks for hurt people. The Bible says, like a roaring lion, he goes around seeking whom he may devour. When lions are hunting and they cannot kill an animal, what they do? They run. Then they bite the leg and then they run away. Once they know they're biting your leg, then they start to just walk behind you slowly. They know that soon you'll be separated from the head. Because the head has to be, or the head is afraid of them. So they are walking at a certain pace. The one who is hurt cannot walk as fast as the rest. And soon will be left behind. And then they'll just finish it off. Lest Satan should gain an advantage over us. When we, are, when, see, when we live in offense. 
for we are not ignorant of his devices so satan intentionally causes us to live in offense and when you see an unforgiving person i would i heard recently that you should never marry someone who wears who who, who still wears face mask no lady but jesseline is coughing that's why she's wearing face masks. So it doesn't apply to her. I'm talking about those who daily conscientious. I read that you should never marry somebody who still wears face masks because they have issues with forgiveness. Because like COVID came to worry us, but COVID has gone. But you still leave the issue. <laughs> because suddenly I can look at my mother still wearing face mask. Even in the house, sometimes when visitors come, we just went, ah, mama, mama, why? It's okay, it's over. COVID has gone to where it came from. She said, Dabi, which is means no. We must not be on it. Hey. women. I hear you should never marry somebody. I don't know if it's true, but I'm telling you something I heard that somebody who still wears face mask, the person had issues with forgiveness. Like letting issues go. If you have problems with forgiveness, you will never be happy in marriage. Because marriage is about, look, marriage is 80% nonsense from your spouse. I'm telling you the truth. 80% nonsense. Born from the husband and, f- and f- from the wife. If the husband is not bringing nonsense, the wife is the one bringing nonsense. But you need to let it go. Nonsense is part of marriage. It makes marriage nicer. Mm. Number six, decide never to revenge or pay back. Let the issues go. Always have a sweet spirit. Be a nice person. When I was saying that, one of the medical students told me, he said, there's a saying that a happy man is a healthy man. But you know, at that point, I, I became depressed. So I was telling Bishop that I've forgotten the feeling of how it is like to be well. And then he told me, be careful of depression. He said, fight depression with all your heart. Because the sickness you have, one of the side effects is depression. And depression is an evil spirit, it's a demon. Fight it. They are decided to look for happiness. Then that's when the medical student told me that a happy man is a healthy man. Those of you who always find a reason to be sad, the economy, what will you do about it? The dollar is 1 to 15. What will you do? Now, you go and pray that it should go back to 6. How will you go about it? Be happy in it. You cannot eat cornflakes, eat a wizard cocoa, and all. When it enters your stomach, you don't know. How many of you can feel the food in your stomach? If it's whether it's awuta cocoa or sausage or cornflakes or eba or tozafi, once it look, once it leaves your tongue, it doesn't matter again. So stop crying, just adjust your life and find different people to visit at lunchtime. That's all. Don't go to one place all the time. Today you go and visit Rita. Go around twelve fifteen. Next day, he visited Jesslyn. Go around 12, 15. Said that, oh, I was passing by and I just said to say hello. <laughs> Next, he go to Pastor Samuel. He said, oh, where are you? He said, oh, I mean, whatever. He said, oh, I want to come and see you about something. 
and then find something to say. That when I woke up this morning, I was feeling something around 12.15. Always visit around 12.15. Find different people to visit around 12.15. You won't feel the economy match. But choose wisely, oh. Before you now go and buy lunch for somebody you didn't plan, choose wisely. <laughs> Decide never to revenge. Because listen to me. You people, you like laughing too much. Listen to me. Because you see, when you are offended, you want to punish the person who offended you. That's why sometimes in marriage, when people are quarreling, they don't like to do the nice thing they used to do. If you, oh, one husband said, I can feel it when my wife is not happy with me by the food. <laughs> by the food. You can, see, he said you can see that like when they serve him, there's no love in the food. I don't know how he senses it, but see, when you marry for some time, he said maybe they always serve you that rice in their shape. This time they just put the rice in their plate and <laughs> no more, no more shaped rice. It's the same, brother. A certain extra care. Yes. Or every day they, when they are going to sleep, they put on a certain perfume. But it's like, come as you are. It's like, come as you are, uh, drink up. You know, it's like, there's no something to do, something for something to happen. Mm-hmm. But don't revenge. Jesus didn't revenge. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. You see, those who are married, let me, look, those who are married, let me ask you a question. And those who are not married, you just write down the note for your future marriage. Is it not true that when you are offended with your spouse, you are also not happy? I once read somebody who said, he is online. She is online. Nobody is chatting with the other one because pride is also online. (laughs) Wife is in the house, wants to talk to her husband. Husband is in the house, wants to talk to his wife. But there's silence in the house because pride is also in the house. You won't believe it. When I was one day, two pastors under me were quarreling husband and wife and they were living in their one bedroom household <laughs> one bedroom house and they were quarreling so this one was reporting to me husband was reporting their wife to me she's she's doing this wife was also reporting at the same time so at the point i asked their husband so where are you now he said i'm lying on the bed and texting you something i'm lying on the bed then i asked the wife where are you now she said I'm sitting in the chair texting you something. So, then, so where is your husband? Is he in the room? Yes. Why? Where are you? are you in the room? Yes. I said, okay. This is what you are going to do. Why? Get up. Go and lie upon thy husband. That's how I end. You see me? The counsel that I do, eh, I don't talk a lot. Oh. It's only do this, do this, do this. Do this. I, I only have three steps. If you are physically, you say, lie down. Hey, you, come and lie on here now. And then start kissing. That's how I solve my problems. This type of three hour, I usually solve my problem. Two minutes. Because the foundation for most problems is just pride. And who should take the first step? That's all. That's 
most of them, who should take the first step? That is the whole problem. Who should back down first? Husband wants to kill, but who will go and initiate the kid? Like, the person who initiates has lost the battle. <laughs> if you are not true. So yeah, that's, that's how I saw my brother. Said, wife, come. Go and climb on him and kiss him. Husband, put your hand around him. Put your hand around her. Start rubbing her. Electricity will start going like that. The problem just goes. We shock the problem out of the marriage. But as she's sitting on him and kissing him, that is that. God takes over from that point. Biology now solves the rest of the problems. So that's what the Bible says. Avenge not yourself. Number six. Forgive quickly. Who you know? Forgive quickly. I'll show one day I saw something. I saw that in marriage, the husband and the wife, they are all going in one line. You you <laughs> Unless you are planning to divorce, but the ash are going in one line together. When you quarrel, it's like then you move to one side, but you are still continuing. At the point you will come back together, but you would have lost that time you went away from each other. And it will never return again. So there's no point in continuing the quarrel because you will come back together. So why lose three weeks of your marriage? Why lose the, when my father died, one of the things I learned from my father was it is very dangerous to be too strong in anything. In anything at all. It's not good to be very strong, like you are right, so you are pressing your rightness. It's not a good thing. I learned that it's better to be soft and gentle. With the Swiss, always let the issue go. It's okay. Let it go. It's okay. Look, you'll be surprised that one day even your children can offend you. Yes, let it go. You know something I saw that way? I saw that most of the things that offend us are not important things. I'll show you. Ask yourself, what, what has offended you? You came home. You said you want to have sex. Your wife said, tomorrow. Ah, what about the 28 years before you got married? Why you having said, hey, just seven hours you wait. So you so, listen to this. The seven hours they said wait. So you are prepared to do the next three weeks. Are you wise? No, you ask yourself. You say, Child, I want to have sex. What's up? Then he said, Oh, I'm tired in the morning. That this in the morning is seven hours. So you are so angry that you've decided that for the next three weeks. You won't have sex. I, no, you ask yourself. Like, I've asked you this. You answer for yourself. Because of seven hours' wait, you've lost one month. Because pride is online. Fully everywhere you go. Learn to forgive quickly. Let the issue go. Because at the end of the day, you are also not happy. Look at Jesus. His assistant denied him. Three days later, he said, tell my disciples and Peter, because Peter may not have come. They tell Peter in particular that he should come. I want to have a meeting with him. Jesus forgave immediately. Why can't you? Look, the more godly you are, the easier it is for you to forgive. Because like Jesus, you even think, look, he knows, he, he, he knows not what he does. He doesn't know the effect of what he's doing on me. 
He doesn't know why he's doing what. Like he doesn't know that he's making me angry. You ask yourself, will your spouse intentionally want to make you angry? You two think of it. Learn to let issues die. Be like Jesus. Forgive quickly. And finally, pray for the person who has offended you. Why are you saying hmm? The Bible says of Jesus that of we that crucified him, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. The Bible says in Matthew 5, he said, pray for those who persecute you. So somebody has offended you, pray for them. The Bible says that in so doing, you pour coals of fire upon their heads. Your marriages will be nicer if you forgive quickly. Your relationships will be sweeter if you forgive quickly. You have less even health issues. You ask yourself, in every language, vernacular, the word that is locally or directly translated for anger in my language, which is ga, is omiefu, which is your inside is swollen. In chi, in Ghana, for those watching from anywhere, you may not understand chi. Chi is a group of a type of people. Chi. They say, which is my chest has swollen. In Ewe, it's my chest has swollen. Hausa, my chest has swollen. In many languages, people who didn't know science and medicine, they sort of knew that anger leads to hypertension. Quick temper. People, people who die from, from hypertension, it is from they getting angry and then their blood pressure spikes. And then they die from anger. That's why the Bible says that it is the fool who takes anger into his bosom. Hmm? It says anger rests. Anger lives. Anger inhabits the bosom of fools. You don't know what anger does to you. Learn to forgive quickly and be happy. Walk in good health. Enjoy the goodness of the Lord. Release offenses. It doesn't matter. You ask, what do you have? My wife says she will have something. I say, what? For your face, I don't know how many years before you broke your virginity. Is it comparable to the seven hours they said you should wait? Are you so uncontrolled? You know, I learned that the hard way. Eh? <laughs> when we got married, I was trying to be a good husband. And then one day I asked my wife that, oh, would you like to have sex? Then she answered truthfully and said, no. I got angry. Oh. <laughs> so the sex didn't come on. Weeks. No sex. Ah. So when the problem was resolved, she said, ah, but you asked me a question. Do you want to have sex? And I answered truthfully. No. We had come home from checking the night tired. Then I saw that no, she is right. Then she said, if you want to have sex, we will have sex. But you ask me, do you? From that, they haven't asked that question again. <laughs> 17 years or something. I haven't asked that question. I see that. Don't ask a question that the answer you don't want. She said, if you say you want to have sex, we will have sex. But you ask me a question. Do you want to have sex? And that's how it's no. You are angry with me for speaking. How can it be? From that day, 17 years ago, I know because of the room it happened that it was 17 years ago. 
and from that day I learned to be careful about the questions I ask. Yes. No, but you too, if they ask you, if I ask you, do you want to go to for the shouldn't you by revelation know that it's another way of saying the same thing? Learn to forgive quickly and you have a happy life. Let's stand to our feet. I see you overcoming offenses by these steps. And I see you becoming happier and more relaxed in life. What is it that has offended you? You will see that it's not really important. You will say it's not really important. I want you to just place your hand on your heart and pray. And say, Lord, heal me. Because, you know, you may actually be in a bad place this morning because of past offenses and how you've not really overcome them. Pray that Lord may Satan not gain an advantage over me. Heal me this morning. Set me free this morning. Let Satan not specifically say, Lord, let Satan not gain advantage over me. Let Satan not win in my life because of offense. Oh, ask the Lord to blow offense out of your heart in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, take control. Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone with their hand on their hearts. Asking you for the power to heal from hurts and the power to deliver from hurts, Lord. Save us from ourselves. Save us from Satan. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that this morning is a morning of healing and deliverance. In Jesus' name. Amen. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed, maybe you are here and you would want to rededicate your life to God. Maybe you were close to God, but you've gone away from God and you want to restart a relationship with him again. If you are here like that, please come to the front and I'll pray with you. If you are here, you'd like to rededicate your life to God. I want you to come to the front. I'll share a word of prayer with you and we'll have communion and then go home. Is there anyone here like that? Lord, we thank you for the free gift of life which you give us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.